It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show. Um, this is where we try to connect those dots between our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual selves. And since March of 2020, we have all been living in what is commonly called a COVID-19 world, where the physical health of everyone has been front and center, and it's continuing to probably be that way for um, a fair amount of people who are now indoors more than they're outdoors. So I want to remind people that you can go to the Synergy Connection radio show at synergyconnectionradio.com and link uh, when you get into that particular area you're going to see a link that uh, is for boomers uh, forever young which is a company in st petersburg florida and you can sign up for a free newsletter which is something that i write uh, for the company and if you go into their website there is just a ton of information on their products and on blogs and on different ways to control anxiety. Uh, the freedom, emotional freedom technique uh, is common to a great many people. So I am hoping that people will begin to take responsibility for their own health. And part of that is learning how to control anxiety and stress. And part of it is learning to eat differently. And part of it is going to be um, working on getting a good night's sleep because if you don't sleep well then the rest of it is going to be pretty difficult. So please check out my website synergyconnectionradio.com and look at the Boomer products for getting healthy uh, in today's world where health is critical. Um, you can also um, you know if you do decide that you want a particular product uh, you can use my name in the promo code and get $5 off and just um, spell out L-U-C-Y. So I'm going to welcome to my show today, Doug Warner. And Doug has been with me, I think this is our fourth time. Mm -hmm. And um, I love having you here, by the way. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I love being here. And this is a very momentous day for me because you're my hundredth guest oh so we have done 100 shows on the synergy connection well, congratulations Radio show. to you thank you and i'm i was thrilled to be able to make you my 100th i'm honored thank you very much <laughs> our topic today is going to be dharma karma and the purpose of your life and that's what we're going to be talking about I wanted to kind of share with people that you are a yoga and meditation teacher as yes. well as a certified labyrinth facilitator mm -hmm. which I have gone through a labyrinth with you and mm -hmm. it was such fun and it was just um, a year ago in it, was, December. it was just about a yeah. year ago yeah so um, people and they also need to know that you're a licensed Florida massage therapist I am. Um, but they can find you at warnerhealingguidance.com, correct? Correct. And, and they, they can also, uh, a more direct way to, a uh, streamlined way to get a hold of me, and I encourage folks who have an interest in anything we, they hear in the conversation today or any questions at all, go to email me uh, at douglas at warnerhealingguidance.com. I have a, ongoing conversations um, you know, via email with a lot of students and folks who have interest. I also have a... Um, Facebook page, like most people do, and it's uh, facebook.com um, backslash Warner Healing Guidance. And I also have a, um, you have a, YouTube, a, YouTube, I have yeah. a YouTube channel, which is youtube.com backslash Douglas Warner. And so it's not Warner Healing Guidance, it's Douglas Warner is my YouTube channel. I've got about, got over 50 videos on that channel that have to do with meditation, um, breath work. Um, just sort of some of the topics we talk about here at, mm -hmm. on the show. So right. check it out. It's all free. Which is really nice, you know, because people can access things without having to spend money sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And again, in today's world, you know, we're all looking at different ways to economize our life because so much has changed, you know, Absolutely. since March of 2020. All right. So I think we're going to begin with you actually explaining 
definition wise, you know, sure. for people understanding Dharma and karma. Right. And I think that that's, I want to preface to say that all of this explanation of Dharma and karma is giving you some understanding, some tools on understanding the purpose of your life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, and Dharma and karma are terms that have become very popularized in our culture, especially in, um, you know, folks who are looking at, you know, different consciousness practices, meditation, what have you. Dharma and karma are Sanskrit words that came out of India, out of the, originally the yoga tradition and filtered through Hinduism and Buddhism. So they, they, they've gotten mixed and then they come into our culture. The problem I found with Dharma and karma is that there's a lot of, I don't want to say mis or disinformation, but there's levels of understanding these terms. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to explain in, in detail what, I'm going to start with Dharma mm-hmm. and then we'll go into Karma and, and we'll, this is going to, you'll start to see how this feeds into understanding your purpose in life. Right. Dharma, and that's spelled D-H-A-R-M-A, if you ever see it in print. And uh, there was even a TV show back in the, was it Dharma and Greg? Remember, oh, her, yes, you know, her, her Dharma's parents were hippies. And uh, so, you know, she was called Dharma. Now, Dharma is been, I believe, misunderstood by many and popularized as um, what am I going to do when I grow up? What's, and we've even taken it in the Western culture is what am I, what am I going to do for a living? You know, what's my calling in life? And so we wrap that idea of Dharma uh, somewhat mis somewhat um, misidentified with I've got to choose a career you know what's my calling now that's a good thing to ask because we're all asking that Uh but let's look at the real context of Dharma and so it because it becomes just it has a bigger uh, scalable definition if you will first of all we have what we call the universal Dharma which I like to call basically the blueprint of the universe it's how things work. In um, in uh, some folks might be familiar, you might be familiar with familiar with Taoism. Oh sure. Sure. Well, the Tao. The Tao. Is the universal Dharma. It's the same kind. It's the it, it's not definable in a, a very concrete way, but it's basically the way things work. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, in Christianity, you can call it the kingdom of heaven. You know, the kingdom of heaven. That fabric, that dark, it's spread upon the earth, but people don't recognize it. They don't see that blueprint of how things work. Okay. So if somebody is listening to this and they're going, how things work, does that mean the way my life should be? No, it's the way the, it's the way the universe works. Basically, let's say it's an aligning force. It is a flow. And, and once again, when we're talking about these things, we have to understand that they def- they defy, at a certain level, direct language. Because they're in a field of experience. This is why teachers for, for centuries, for you know, forever, have talked about the kingdom of heaven or the Tao or these things. In fact, in the Tao, in the Tao Te Ching, the book of Taoism, the first line of the Tao says, the Tao that can be spoken of is not the true Tao. Oh, that's interesting. So the idea is, why do people, why do they talk in parables and metaphor and allegory? Mm -hmm. Because we experience it, but to define it is difficult. So we we, we understand this fabric, this pattern, this blueprint of the universe, we've all experienced it in many ways. Synchronicity, for instance. Right. Serendipity. Right. I'm kind of thinking along the lines of a stream or a river. Uh, it, you you can go upstream, but it's much more difficult. And then we're going to use that. I'm going to use that analogy. It's a great analogy. The the Tao is the way things flow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the it's the way. In, if we think, I like to use it. Um, the force of gravity is is a as a microcosm, or it's a it can be metaphorical. When you're in alignment with the force of gravity, physically you feel lighter. You're going with that flow. When your body is out of, uh, if it's distorted, if you're out of balance, or uh, whether it's you know, internally or externally, all of a sudden you're, you're meeting resistance, you're meeting life, with, you're meeting gravity with resistance. Uh-huh. So we understand that the Dharma, when the purpose here is, part of this purpose is to be in 
harmony in the flow of that pattern of that okay when we're out of the flow of the uh, force of gravity which is an aligning force in the universe the dharma is an aligning force in the universe okay and when so we're, it will guide you back it will guide you back okay so this is what we're talking about this when we talk mm-hmm. about karma mm-hmm. so dharma in this this big picture is basically the flow that we're trying to harmonize our lives to be in that flow to meet the le- least resistance and to move in the direction we're supposed to move mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Um, again think about the if you can't if that's too big think about gravity when i'm in alignment with gravity i'm moving through space with minimum waste and maximum joy mm-hmm. okay all right mm-hmm. so that's the universal dharma and we want to scale that down to us okay so the next level of dharma all of it going back to coming being in the flow we have the human human dharma we all have the same dharma we all have that same direction okay the human dharma is simply simply to say not simple to do to connect with and live out of our authentic self our true self the soul self your intuitive consciousness and when you're not doing that then you're swimming upstream okay, okay? and you're and like you're going to meet life with resistance with resistance right okay so that so as human beings we all share the same human dharma mm-hmm. that's our purpose so when you're in the flow yeah everything is moving with ease and you're fulfilling your dharma right when you are when you are in the flow of dharma and i think most everybody's had these experiences when you're in the flow all of a sudden it's like invisible hands come out of the woodwork to lift you up mm-hmm. and doors open windows open opportunities, opportunities if, if you're right. if you're paying attention right opportunities manifest well i think you see things maybe for the first time because when yep. you're always in resistance then you know the doors stay closed yep. the windows stay closed they stay closed and very often what and we're going to talk about this here around after i kind of lay these terms out um, what gets in the way of seeing it? What gets in our way of seeing and listening and being aware of in the flow or out of the flow? Mm-hmm. So as humans, we all have the same purpose in life. And that is to connect with that. When I say connect with that intuitive consciousness, it's the eternal part of us. It's the part that we share, we all share. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're all, our purpose is as a group as a species if you will as as a human family we all have the same purpose in our lives now you scale it down to the individual our individual dharma is how do you use what you have in life your talents your strengths your weaknesses your talents your challenges your socioeconomic situation, your personal situation, your physical, you know, all the things that you find is, you know, this is me, I'm plopped on the earth now. How, what, how do I use, how do I leverage this for one purpose? To connect with and live out of that authentic self. Mm-hmm. Every spiritual tradition in the world I'm aware of says the exact same thing in their own words. I'm going to ask a question that may be coming down the road here sure. in what you're trying to but what happens if kids young adults adults you know are finding themselves in either relationships business arrangements i mean i'm thinking of people who really dislike their jobs or you know they're in an unhealthy friendship or maybe their marriage is is not where they need to be so is it difficult for them to recognize that I'm not living my authentic self and I need to extract myself from that relationship or situation. Sure, because what happens is that the things that get in our way is identifying our dharma with our jobs, Mm -hmm. with our relationships, Mm -hmm. okay? When you come into a place of questioning, okay, first of all, many, many, many times, in fact, most often, what you do for a living is not your in quotes you know your dharma your calling your calling you know mm-hmm. look at where we it are pays now the bills <laughs> you, you got to pay the bills right. you know you got to survive and you know maybe you know working in a fast food restaurant you know thank god people are doing that i guess but 
you know, so this isn't me. Well, no, but realize that's not necessarily your dharma per se, mm -hmm. but every decision you make, and I think that this is an important thing, every decision you make is a dharmic decision. Every moment is a dharmic moment. Moving you on your Moving path. Moving you, because as you, as you get into whatever the challenges of the moment, you, what, what, what do I, what's the mirror? How do I, how do I, what's my litmus test for my, making my decision? Mm -hmm. Is this moving me in the direction I know that as a human, my dharma is to, to do this, to connect with and work out of my intuitive consciousness, mm -hmm. my, my soul knowing, right? Mm -hmm. Is this doing it or is it not? Mm -hmm. And it might mean saying goodbye to it can be jobs saying, or anything else. It could be, but also not getting confused that staying in the job because it pays the bills. <laughs> because it pays the bills doesn't right. mean you're not following your dharma. Right. It's just becoming more aware that that's not who I am. That's not who I truly am. Right. In fact, most of what we identify ourselves with is what we call our ego self, mm -hmm. which is our thoughts, our emotions, uh, our body. That's, that's a part of us. That's a level of consciousness that mm -hmm. we all share. Mm -hmm. And it's all different. Everybody's got different... So what about like a person who... You know, maybe is um, a very strict religious belief, and they begin to realize that that necessarily is not their dharma. That's not their authentic self. That's not their intuitive self. Well, I would I would say this, and I, and I'm no expert. I'm I'm not claiming to be an expert on all religions, what have you. But I did grow up Catholic, and I've studied um, the Quran in Arabic. I've studied the Old Testament in Hebrew to a certain degree, and I've studied. Number of things in Greek and Latin. That's uh -huh. been my education, uh -huh. and and interest, <laughs> and interest. Yeah, uh -huh. and I've and I've had the chance to talk with a lot of folks who know a whole lot more about it. And I would say, don't throw your religion out with uh -huh. the bathwater. Uh -huh. Maybe get a better understanding of what your religion's really saying. Uh -huh. Getting past some of the facade, the rules. the rules, the regulations, the dogma, and you start to strip it down. I can say this to Christians. Um, I speak. Catholic pretty fluently, and I speak Christian pretty well um, in general. Uh, I've learned Methodist and Lutheran lately quite a bit. I've been working with those folks, doing some workshops and retreats with their mm -hmm. clergy, believe it or not. Which is really Which interesting. Which is interesting. We had this, this very talk I'm having today. I had with last uh, last year, last it was just a year ago, I had with a, um, a Methodist, a group of clergy, about 55 um, Methodist clergy folks in North Carolina, and I talked about karma and dharma. And it was it was opening to them. Well, I'm sure it was. It was, and uh, I was because they would be more like living their faith as opposed to living their intuitive self. Right, and they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. They yeah. can marry that up because if you really look at what, and we're gonna I'm gonna come back to that, but work. If you really look at what all in their essence, what these practices, these religions across the the world are, and this, I'm even talking about Aboriginal faith and you know First Nation people. They're, we're all saying the same thing. It's colored by culture, history, maybe language differences and interpretations, and then there's an overlay of political angle mm -hmm. and money angle, and mm -hmm. so and uh, fear and I think, fear I think and fear. fear is huge. But at the basic level, anybody who wants to really dig into karma and dharma are in the New Testament. Interesting. They're in the New Testament, and I can I could show it to you. That's another discussion, maybe another time. Sure. I don't, because I don't want to get down a, a Christian direction for folks who are not Christians in, exactly. in our audience. Exactly. But so Dharma at our personal level is if we understand what our purpose is, our purpose doesn't change. Well, my purpose in my life when I was 10 is different than my purpose. No, your purpose from day one to days, the end of days, of your days, has been the same. You just have not been, your eyes, you haven't been awake to it. Mm -hmm. And that's the, being awake. What am I awake to? What I'm trying to do here. Mm -hmm. And every decision you make, I call it every, it's a dharmic moment. Every moment is a dharmic moment. Meaning you're making dharmic decisions. Am I moving in alignment with, the, with who I am? With who I am? Right. Ultimately who I am. Right. Not just my dugness. Right. But beyond that dugness. Right. Okay, because we often, and so many books are written about dharma and your personality. So much built around, you know, what's your personality about and what's your, um, you know, what are you good at and, you know, what do you, what do you feel? And that's not, what I'm saying is that that's not dharma. That's just how you, how you're going to use those things about the ego self, how you're going to use them 
to do the one thing we're all here be, to do. Okay. So as a, an infant, and you've had children and you've got a granddaughter, mm-hmm. so as an infant, let's use your granddaughter. Her dharma as a baby was to be held and loved. Exactly. But, I mean, she, and the interesting thing is, is that, and, you know, growing up, we've all heard of, um, you know, children. And children, again, back to the New Testament, we're all told in various religions to be like children. Mm-hmm. Not to be childish, but childlike. Right, and because, have wonder and joy. And, and joy, and being open to that intuitive mm-hmm. consciousness. Because mm-hmm. and when you get to a certain age, and some say seven or eight years old, you know, you've now entered the age of reason, which means you're living out of your head, not your heart. Right. You're, and but children are in a unique place because they're in both worlds. Right. They've got a foot in one world of, you know, the the here and now, if you will, the material world, the ego self. But they're also take and they most children take much more seriously the I would say the spiritual, the intuitive world. Mm-hmm. They live out of that. Yes, they do. So. Um, they're connected. Mm-hmm. They're living their dharma, and we lose that. And we lose it, and that becomes because of social, socio- sociological, economic, just how we've we've created our human existence here. But it's not what we were. Des- it's not what, really what we're designed for. We've over leveraged our focus on the externals of who we are, not the internal. Well, by the time you get into school, and you've experienced this oh, yeah. with your granddaughter, but by the time you actually are even in preschool. You know, it's like you need to sit here. No, you can't do this. Yes, you can do this. And so you start losing that spontaneity and that um, just curiosity of what is life all about. And and we also lose our ability to give credibility to our intuition. Yes. And, and, we, and intuition is then degraded, degraded, degraded to emotion. Mm-hmm. That so you hear this female intuition, which is basically you're just being emotional. The intuitive consciousness is the the opposite of emotion. Mm -hmm. Emotion and thought is a a function of the cerebral cortex, the brain, Mm -hmm. which is an organ. What I'm talking about, the intuitive consciousness is beyond that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's in, it's who we truly are. And you've, you hear this every while, that, you know, yoga and Buddhism and Hinduism, they say the authentic self, the true self, the Atman. Uh, in Christianity and other religion, you know, the, the soul, okay, it's a part of you that is a level of consciousness that is, I want to say, bigger. It's deeper and it's consistent. The mind, the brain, and our emotions are always in flux. They're always changing. You know, I'm getting a picture, uh, in a way, with what you're talking about, of, um, you know, again, back to the infant. So the infant's born and understands and has a very clear picture of maybe what life really is. Correct. And then over the years, there's layer upon layer upon layer that goes up and around that core of who we are. And then you reach a point where you begin to strip those layers back down to getting into the essence of who we are. And the practices that bring us back to, these are layers of plaque, Mm -hmm. or they're veils. Mm -hmm. The more veils you put between what you're looking at, Mm -hmm. the more obscure it becomes. So it's a stripping away, like layers of an onion, or pulling veils away, or scales from your eyes, to quote the New Testament. Right. So now you can see. So now you can see clearly, Mm -hmm. and that's the whole idea of seeing clearly things as they truly are. As they are. Mm -hmm. And the practices are simply about that. Spiritual practices... Now, and I'm talking about spiritual practices sometimes, are designed to help us do that, to understand, to connect with that, parts of our, that part of ourselves, mm-hmm. to understand it, to give it credibility, give it validity, and realize that the, building that community, that we're all here doing the same thing. We're supposed to be doing the same thing. We just have different tools. Mm-hmm. And so part of that whole doing that affecting our human dharma is connecting. You know, you said we all have different tools, and I immediately had a flash of a child being born and being given, here, you get the screwdriver. Yep. The next one's born, you get the hammer, right. you get the pliers, and then when you finally get it all together, you can actually build something. <laughs> and sometimes the kid's given a broken hammer. <laughs> sure, it's true. No, I mean, I mean think about, you know, we, we start to look at, and we start to also realize is that our connection, not just with ourselves, but others, 
is part of us manifesting our dharma. You know, how do you rationalize? How do you rationalize someone being born crippled mm-hmm. or mentally handicapped? Right. How does that fit into the picture? It's not all about them. It's all. It's also about you. Is it about interrelated? Our dharmas, our yeah. dharmas are interwoven for right. all of us to get to the same place. Exactly. And that becomes so. We can't pursue our dharma alone. We can't get into alignment by ourselves and connect. We can't connect to that intuitive consciousness mm-hmm. without others. Right. And what we start to see is that that interconnection between us. It's not just us human to human. But everything that we would call creation is mm-hmm. all part of the, the dharmic flow. Mm-hmm. And that duality that we've created, there's a you and there's a me. At a certain level, there is no you and me. That drops off. Right, it becomes an us. It's, a, it's an us, and then the, even the word us starts to drop off, and mm-hmm. it just is. Right. There are individuals, and I know I'm in a relationship right now, where it's like we are one. You know, it's it, there isn't that... It's him or it's me, but it's the oneness because everything that we do feels like one. This and is when you slip into you, you slip into that alignment. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while, half of you know, a good part of our life, we feel like we're heavy, we're a little lopsided. But every <laughs> once in a while, uh-huh. every once in a while, for whether it's in a relationship, whether it's an endeavor, whether you're an artist or you're creating or you have whatever. You feel everything just kind of locked into place. Yes. And I get it. Because mm-hmm. for that one brief shining moment, you were in alignment. And you kind of, that what you that ego you kind of drops off. And you realize that's not nearly as important as this. As this. You know, you're a writer and I'm a writer. And yeah. when you are in the flow and it locks in, that's when everything just comes out of your head and onto the paper. And you don't even know how you got there. And actually, it doesn't really, it actually doesn't come right out of your head. It goes through your head. It comes out of the heart. Out of the heart. And then it's translated through the head. Right, right. Into some sort of communicable way. And that's, I mean, some people say, well, you're channeling, but you're channeling through your heart. There's only one thing to channel. Mm -hmm. And that's love. (laughs) And love, if what many have identified that the the Dharma is love, many Mm -hmm. have identified what we call God as love. Mm -hmm. And when you love, the experience of love is our proof, if you will, our experience of Dharma, of being in the flow of Dharma. And we, we have this ability to, to experience it. Interesting about the word love. <clears throat> the, love is probably, it's the most common word in, in music, in songs, true, true. okay? In literature, mm-hmm. in movies, mm-hmm. all right? Love is, you know, love makes the world go around, right? Right. And it's in and all the Disney shows. It's in everything. And so this, the big stuff, mm-hmm. let's say love, okay? Love is the thing that makes, it's such a big thing, yet I don't think I can find two people on the planet that agree for, in a definition. Of what love of is. Of what it is. Because once you try to intellectualize it and mm-hmm. give it, quotes, a meaning. Right, you can't. You can't. Right. But we all have an experience, hopefully we all do, of love and when you're in that place you are in the flow you are experiencing what it feels like to be in the flow of the dharma you are actualizing your human dharma at that moment there's a story about there's a a, a guru or yogi a woman came to him this is an old story and uh, said you know guruji i i don't i can't understand this whole god thing i i just can't wrap my head around what you're talking about about you know deity and, and god and, and I, I can't, I, it, I'm not connecting with it. Mm-hmm. And so the, the guru said, she noted, he, the woman had her young son with her. And, he, and he, she said, well, is that your son? Yeah. I said, do you love your son? Well, of course I love him dearly. Then you know what God is. Hmm. You don't need to analyze. See, this is, where, what, this is why I said the purpose of life, not the meaning of life. Because you'll never find meaning. Meaning is a function of the, of the intellect. The, brain. <laughs> the intellect will not wrap its head around this because you can't. This is why um, folks who are run into are atheists, and if you're an atheist out there, I respect you dearly. Um, people say, you know, you, and who can prove God intellectually? Mm-hmm. Who can prove anything I'm saying intellectually? Right. You, you really can't. can't. No. It falls apart, and therefore it's discounted. But everyone has an experience of this. Mm-hmm. And that's how stories and parables work, because it approximates a shared experience. Mm-hmm. 
we all, you know, this story about somebody in India, I don't know anything about India or anything, but the story, I, I, I know what they're talking about. We all know what that story's talking about. Right. We've all held a baby. Right. We've all had a newborn kitten or puppy. Right. So we all, there, there's a shared field of experience, mm-hmm. and this is in, in our human making. Okay, mm-hmm. so Dharma is the one purpose we all have, and when we are doing it, when we're doing it right, you feel it. You don't think it, but you feel it. And you don't just feel it emotionally. You have that intuitive, that notion, that knowing, I should say, not notion, that knowing, that intuitive knowing that I'm in the groove, I'm in the flow. Right. I remember when I, years and years ago when I was uh, doing martial arts when I was in my early 20s, and um, I had a, a, a guy, I got an older guy, I got to know who was a, a, judo, a judo master. And I didn't do judo for very long. But he was over six feet tall, and he was he agreed to teach me some stuff. And I, you know, I was just t- trying to throw this guy, and he was trying to teach me. And and there was one time, only one time, where and and he didn't assist. He, is that I actually it worked? I was able to throw this guy who was bigger, and it felt like a it was there was no effort. It flowed, and boom, it happened. And I, that was the one time I actually did it right, mm-hmm. and it, there was no effort. When you can when things are opening Mm -hmm. and you're moving the way you're you're doing things easily and that was just kind of a I always remembered that because I haven't felt that all the time and a lot of times when we hit a wall you know when we hit we you know everyone's like you know I'm gonna bust through that wall I'm trying to get something done I have a business plan I'm trying to go here or I have a relationship I'm trying to go there and we keep meeting resistance now we've been educated in our culture is you know get tough and, and you know, endure the pain, and you know, there's a time where you, an appropriate challenge, mm-hmm. which will help you grow, versus banging your head against the wall. Right. And we have to learn that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like maybe you need to pivot. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know you get you, you, you the need to, needs you to need, happen. You may need to go another way and go around. Uh-huh. So these things we have to learn to listen to that. Now, how does karma come into that? So if we all if we have some sort of understanding that. There's a universal pattern or flow of the universe. Our mission is to all be in that flow. Mm-hmm. To be in the flow means to be connected to our intuitive consciousness. If once we're living out of that, that will put us by default in the flow, mm-hmm. and life will be a lot different. You won't because be because you will listening. You'll be listening, point. and we'll all be we'll be connecting. Right, right. And once we're connecting, then we can actualize our true humanity. Right. Not the stuff that's going on right now right we start to we can appreciate our differences Mm -hmm. but we all know that every single one of us whether you're in Sri Lanka or you're in Winnipeg you have the same purpose as and your purpose is no greater or less than anyone else's all humans have the same they have the same purpose and love is one of those indicators that I mean I'm in the flow I've connected Mm -hmm. And that's why the whole idea of you learning to love yourself first. Because if you can't love yourself, then anything else you do is a little ingenuous. Mm-hmm. You can't be kind to yourself first. Then being kind to others, how does that work? Mm-hmm. You haven't connected first with loving yourself. Right. And you're the one that's here. <laughs> and you're the one that's here. And then, so I think, I think we get that. So how does karma come into play? So karma is interesting. There's probably a, a lot of bumper stickers about karma. You know, my dogma ran over your karma, or your karma ran over my dogma, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But karma has been popularized as kind of um, cause and effect. Mm-hmm. You know, you do something good, something good's going to come back. You do something bad, something bad's going to come back. And so that's devolved in many cultures around the world to doing all sorts of things that are kind of off track to try to, you know, have, oh, I want good karma versus bad karma. And there's no such thing as bad karma. Mm-hmm. And there's no such thing as good karma. Right. There is karma is not like physics. Okay. Because karma is, and this is, this is an important definition. It is an educative force. It's a lesson. It's an educated force in a compassionate universe. Mm. That's that's big. Mm-hmm. Because if you leave the compassion out, you can look at it as a punishment. Oh, well, absolutely. Because and this is where you know it's devolved in a lot of um, uh, southeast and southwest, uh, southeast Asian and south and southeast Asian and southwest Asian cultures. 
in East Asian cultures, it's, it, with the populations, it's devolved into punishment, reward, and punishment. Right. So it, you see how ego-centered that is? Yes. It, what's going to happen to me? Well, mm-hmm. I want to. I don't want to come back as a you know a, a cockroach, or I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. You know, all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I don't. You know, it's like oh, it's it's the same as the fear of heaven and hell. Right. That I grew up with. Right. You know, I don't want to be punished. I don't want to hurt. I so don't want to go to hell. <laughs> so right. So I want to do good things because it serves me personally. Mm-hmm, I want to mm-hmm. do. Ba- I don't want to do bad things because it punishes me per. So, right, right. so really you get away from that bad and good and you realize karma is it's an educated force so like, think about that flow that you talked about the stream of dharma mm-hmm. think about the fish in the stream right, the fish except for salmon that go upstream <laughs> and they die and they die <laughs> right. okay All right. so but before they go up they only go upstream to spawn mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. they have a mission they have a mission but you know the fish is going has all has got fins it's got all these little mechanisms to navigate Mm -hmm. it has free will if you want to look at that those are mechanisms of free will but it also has the innate ability if it's paying attention to read the flow of -hmm. of the river right of the stream and if the if the fish is just going with the flow of the stream it has to navigate very little it just it and just a little. If it starts to not read the stream or it doesn't pay attention, then it might need to use its fins a little bit. Now, if the fish is going down the stream, and you know, realize this is a metaphor. All metaphors have weaknesses and strengths. Uh-huh. Go with the spirit of this. You know, don't say, well, this fish has that. No, no. Fish looks over on the side and says, "I want to go over there. There's something over there I want." And the fish goes against the current to go to get something it wants. Right. And the force, I'm using some imaginary force numbers, if it goes against the current at a force of five, okay, the current's going to push back at it mm-hmm. with a force of five to get it back in the stream. Mm-hmm. That's karma. When we're doing something in our lives that is moving us away from the flow of what we're supposed to be doing, and we have to be paying attention to it intuitively, mm-hmm. then we kind of get slapped back into the stream a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend of mine, uh, one of my students, who went through AA, and he said it, they were talked about, um, and they, of course they have God in their, in their um, program. And he said, first God speaks to you in a whisper, then in a roar, and then with a two-by-four. Right. <laughs> and so think about, if I go at a force of five against the flow, it only pushes me back to a, with a five. Mm-hmm. It doesn't punish me, it would hit me with 10 or 15, which would throw me out of the stream the other way. Do you mm-hmm. see? Exactly. It's only designed exactly. to bring me back. Into the flow. Back into the flow. Right. And if it takes the two by four, then you've really gone out you're of the stream. You're really <laughs> moving out of the stream. Right. And it, but it's not retribution. It's not punishment. Mm-hmm. It's just it, saying, hey, that's not where you belong. And there's the compassion. Mm-hmm. The fabric of the Dharma is compassion. Right. Love. Love. But com- love, I like the word compassion because there's the word love in the English language has so many permutations. Mm-hmm. You know, there's romantic love, there's filial love, there's, you know, we have these different words. Humanitarian. Humanitarian, you have agape, you have all these things. Right. But um, you got Valentine's Day love. But compassion, I think, is, it, it might be a little closer word in English to what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's just getting you back in the stream. Here's, it, here's something you don't know about me. Okay. Um, I, my relatives are from Ireland uh, and from Northern Ireland. And my name, and uh, not my current name because mm-hmm. it's my husband's name, but my last name, uh, if I was in Ireland, is Love. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, that's in Gaelic. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Right. Wow, that's really, that's very good. Awesome. Anyway, so when we, if we're, if we, this goes back to batting your head against the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when we start to go off track from our our, our purpose mm-hmm. and not our intellectually generated purpose but our true purpose right and going back to the heart purpose to the heart the, purpose right. and that's the only one that matters right is if when i'm if i'm starting to go off track then i'm going to meet with resistance and life is going to kind of kick at me a little bit mm-hmm. um when i'm moving if i'm moving in the right if i'm going with the flow and then doors are opening Life is a little easier. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have challenges. But the challenges, remember too, the strength we... They're for us to grow. It's, there is no growth without resistance. Right. 
Think about weightlifting. You have to have a proper right. resistance in order to stimulate growth. This right. is why I was talking, I'm kind of offset here, but compassion. I mean, um, not compassion, but uh, gratitude. You know, we, I talk about these times now we're in is that adopting an idea of gratitude to, to help us cope. Mm-hmm. Most people are saying, oh, be, look at what you do have. Mm-hmm. Look at what you have. You be grateful for what you have. And that's a great thing. But I say also, be grateful for the resistance. Be grateful. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing people who've lost relatives, you know, and, and I'm not minimizing anyone's loss. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to sound flip. Um, but have a sense of gratitude for the resistance, for the obstacles, mm-hmm. because it's with those we strengthen our spiritual muscles. Right. And it's through those that we learn compassion. Right. And if nothing ever happened to us that was not a challenge, I'm not sure that we would have a very good understanding of what people who experience challenges are going through. I think that's part of that compassion is that we have to have had some of it in order to understand it. Well, look at the breakdown of the word compassion. It comes from the Latin, compassion, to suffer with. To suffer with, yeah. So if I didn't suffer, you know. How would I know? How would I know? Right. How would I know what it was like? And this is, you know. So this is is an important element here in that. And so I kind of want to just to put a, a, what am I going to call this, Um, a seal of authenticity to what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. There's a concept in uh, the world of philosophy, and actually it's in religion too. And uh, it's it, the, the term I'm going to use was actually coined by Aldous Huxley. He was a writer, philosopher mm-hmm. of the 20th century. Um, and it's called the perennial tradition or the perennial philosophy. Perennial meaning it is reoccurring. It keeps coming up. It keeps manifesting itself mm-hmm. like a flower that's a perennial right, or a plant. Right. And usually perennials keep growing. And they keep growing. And the perennial philosophy, um, I first, actually, it, it shows up in Christianity. It shows up in every spiritual tradition I'm aware of. And so I came into, into contact with this, believe it or not, through the yoga practice. Mm-hmm. As, um, and the perennial philosophy is this. The basis is that at the core, at the base, you don't even think historically, um, the early, in yoga, the early prophets of yoga are called rishis the prophets of the Old Testament, the founders of all these major religions and spiritual traditions at some point in human history came up with basically the same philosophy, the same three points, okay? And those are translated and have come down, even though they've gotten masked and buried a little bit. Mm -hmm. Those same three points talk to speak to exactly what I've said for the last 45 minutes. So, in the other thing is that, that these prophets or these founders of these faiths or the early fathers of whatever, whether it's a tribe in the Amazon or what have you, they came to these realizations in basically deep meditation. Sure. And, and yeah, I was thinking Native Americans do this too because they go into their sweat lodges. The sweat lodges. And is, that's what they do. Is, is They don't call it meditation, but that's what it is. Th- that's ultimately what it is. Uh, you, you see it, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's on a vision quest for them or, right. or is it the sweat lodge or both usually come together in some right. sort of uh, right. preparation. And point number one is that there is a... One for the, for the rishis for the in the Indian tradition or the yoga tradition, the question they asked was, "Is there anything in the in the universe that's constant, that's not changing?" Because you look around and everything lives and dies, and your mind is we even, have seasons, and we have seasons, and our thoughts, everything is is in flux. Is mm-hmm. there something that's a constant? Mm-hmm. First of all, mm-hmm. and in in the deep meditation, this they came up with these three things, just like the others did. Uh-huh. Number one, there is a constant, unchangeless reality in the universe. There is a changeless reality. Now, in the Indian tradition, they called it Brahman. In the Jewish tradition, they called it Yahweh. In the Christian tradition, they called it um, God the Father. In, in the Muslim tradition, they called it Allah. Okay, and they go on and on and on and okay. on. All right. Number two, that changeless reality, that constant is manifested in every single human being mm-hmm. as our true nature. So you start to see that God, mm-hmm. that what we've called is the constant, is in us. Is us. Mm-hmm. And we. And this is where even Jesus said, I and the Father are one. It was totally misunderstood. He understood the relationship that 
I'm a son of God. You can all, you're all sons of God. We're mm-hmm. all, we're all this. This and is we who can we all do what I do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't meant to be exclusive. It right. was inclusive. Right. And so that is our true nature. And, and in that, that manifestation of the divine, if you want to call it that, or that changeless reality in us has different names. In, in um, Sanskrit and in the Indian tradition, it's called the Atman, A-T-M-A-N. In the Christian and Jewish tradition, it's the soul. Okay, and you go into other traditions, they have different words for it. Okay, basically, that's what it is. Then, and the, here's, the, here's the big tamale <laughs> the purpose of life uh-huh. is to connect with and live out of that divine essence in yourself. Who that is, who so finding the God within, finding the God within, and or being in touch with your own divinity, exactly, exactly. And that's what, the, that's what the purpose of life is. Mm-hmm. So to get away from meaning and look at purpose, mm-hmm. because it's two totally different things. There's a story about Buddha, and he had a big congregation in front of him. Mm-hmm. And when somebody raised his hand and said, uh, you know, uh, Guruji, what's the meaning of life? And he held up a flower. And everybody was looking at him like, what the heck is that? <laughs> Except there was one guy in the back uh-huh. who smiled. Uh-huh. He got it. He got it. Because meaning is the wrong word. Right. Life, it, it life is. It is. Yeah. is. yeah, it is. It is. It, and it's to break that intellectual... And stop trying to figure life out intellectually. Mm-hmm. Start living out of that intuitive consciousness. Everything else will fix itself. Everything else will happen. Uh-huh. That is so cool. That is so, so cool. Um, I'm going to share something that's at the very end of a book that I gave you. Yes. But uh, it fits here, and that's the reason I'm just going to read uh, the very last couple of sentences in the book that I wrote. And by the way, this is The Adventures of Miss Twigs and Company that came out in March, and it is on Amazon. But I want to share this with listeners because it's what you're saying. And uh, the mice, um, you know, that are represented in the story of uh, The Adventures of Miss Twigs, So it says, however, the most important gift Miss Twiggs, Mortimer, and Penelope had given Brian was to help him understand that the journey of all life is to give and receive love. He now understood that love is who we really are, and this lesson would be with him for a lifetime. That's it. That's it. Perfect. Perfect. So it's interesting that when I wrote that, it was like, you know, you're talking about being in the flow, but um, that was the message that you know came through the story, and of course it was set in um, 1940, well the beginning of 45 before the war was over, mm-hmm. uh, in Europe. But you know they had gone through some horrible times, you know, with um, so many people dying in concentration mm-hmm. camps and otherwise, you know, throughout the war in so many different countries. And yet the underlying essence is that we're all part of humanity. And if we begin to understand that and relate to one another on a human level, not on a political or any other level, then we can work together. Then we can have a collaborative society where everybody is in it to assist and to love one another. That, that's, the, that's the utopia that all of our spiritual traditions should be moving mm-hmm. us towards. Unfortunately, so many spiritual traditions have taken are divisive and exclusive. Yeah. And I just want to a couple of things was coming to my mind. Much of what's happening in the in this in the religious world, I mean there's a lot of great religion should be helping us bring us back to spirituality. Right. And it does. And not always does. Yeah. One of the glaring things a lot of many westerners don't understand. We we've heard so much about, you know, terrorism coming out of the Middle East. Mhm. And we've heard so much about holy war. Right. And in Arabic, the word for holy war is jihad. Right. And there are many people who are doing terrorist type things and harming people. Um, for just, I'm just going to take the Arab world for right now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I worked with that population for quite a while. And I speak Arabic, so I understand this. And, I've, and the, the interesting thing about the word jihad, which is in the holy book of the Quran, the ultimate, the, the, if you want to call it even the hidden meaning, it's not hidden, it's just you have to look beyond the print. Jihad is not, it's a holy war, but it's internal. And they're making it external. And they've externalized it. Right. They, it's, uh, what am I going to war with? 
-hmm. those parts of yourself that are keeping you from being in alignment right out of harmony out of harmony right and even in the um, the book that one of the 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 germinal books of uh, yoga the Bhagavad Gita some of you may have heard of the Mm -hmm. Bhagavad Gita Mm -hmm. it's an it's an allegory it has a warrior again it has the main character as a warrior and he's on the battlefield on the the moment of battle and Mm -hmm. he's the ultimate fighting machine he's sort of the Arnold Schwarzenegger or something of of the army and he has he's in a chariot and he has a charioteer who is a lower the lower and the charioteer is actually Krishna Mm -hmm. now Krishna in the in the uh, yoga tradition in the Hindu tradition is a manifestation of God but it's of the authentic self is a manifestation so basically this was an internal dialogue that he was that having. he was having but it was externalized in this story right. and he sees across the battlefield and he sees uncles and teachers and relatives on the enemy side and he's going how am I supposed to kill them how am I supposed to do this mm-hmm. my duty is, a, is to do that but how am I supposed to I can't do that and he asked Krishna what what do I do ultimately Krishna says you need to go do this. This is your job. Now, people have taken that mm-hmm. and misinterpreted it. Sure. The translation and, came and the tra- And it was like, how can you... And this was even asked of Mahatma Gandhi. Because he used the Bhagavad Gita as one of his his, mm-hmm. his uh, you teachings. Know, teachings or his you know mm-hmm. lamp of enlightenment. Right. And he said, how can you say, you know, you're all... You know, love, 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 don't hurt anybody, but you look at the book you love, and it's, it's telling people to go kill people. And he says, you miss it. You don't get it. There isn't a word in there that is encouraging anyone to harm anyone. You miss the point. What what was trying to be said there is that those, those relatives on the battle line facing mm-hmm. him were those things about himself right. that were keeping him from... It was all of the teachings that he had internalized, and now he had to face. But it was always imbalances yeah, too. He, it was his, on his anger, his 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 egocentric now, whatever his yeah. greed. What all, these are things, but they were so near and dear to him as part of his identity. Right. It was ki- killing those was like killing a relative. It's that close. It was right. that visceral. Right. Is that I can't kill that? That's a part of me that I've identified with, and it's that your job. That's your human job. Is, that's our part of our human dharma. Is to either kill in that tradition or in the Christian tradition to die to. Right. You want to die... To become who you really to re- are. To be reborn into who you really are. Yes. You yeah. need to die to some of that old thinking about who you are. Right. So all these, they're all saying the same thing with their different language. So if we're going to kind of um, conceptualize this a little bit in the last, you know, seven or eight minutes yeah. here, is we have Dharma... And we have karma, and then we have our purpose. And our purpose, it sounds to me, is coming into alignment with our intuitive self and our heart and learning to face a lot of the things we don't like about ourselves and letting them go. Letting them go. And this is what the practices are for. Mm -hmm. The meditative practices and the path um, meditation practice that I teach, I, I created this framework is to identify those parts of ourselves that are taking us out of balance mm-hmm. and then using the various tools of uh, meditation, prayer, there's a lot of ways to do this, but I have a, I have a formula for it, and to detach from them, let those drop off over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Almost like um, scales of a fish. The scales of a fish, exactly. Yeah. And I have to say one thing, I'll just finish with a reminder, ultimately is to get past the sense of duality. Mm-hmm. Now that there's, we're separate, and the right. people over in that country are separate. We're all separate. We're all separated, but in fact, we're in, we're the same. We we have more in common than we're not. Right. And as this show is going to air, we're getting closer and closer to the election. No, oh, yeah. Um, on November third, and so the duality. I mean, it isn't like the Democrats and the Republicans. If we can just kind of come together and understand that we want what is best for our world, for our country, for mm-hmm. one another for our environment. Absolutely. Joseph Campbell, the mythologist, told us... Mm, I loved him. Yeah, I did too. Um, He told a story that he got from... It was a true story Mm -hmm. about a police officer who had gotten a a potential suicide... A person was going to commit suicide jumping off a bridge. Mm -hmm. And the police officer came onto the scene just as this young guy was getting up on the railing, jumping to jump from the bridge. And the 
and just instinctively, the policeman ran and grabbed this guy, and they were both momentarily in, in, you know, just about ready to go over. And finally, others showed up and helped everybody back off the bridge. And when the, when the policeman was asked, what were you, what was what that? Were about? What were you thinking? <laughs> right. you know, what was that about? What were you thinking? And he said, I don't know. He said, but for one brief moment, I knew that whatever happened to that young man would ha was happening to, to me, me. Mm -hmm. and that sense of him and me fell off. Right, it was one. It was one, and that that moment of losing the sense of duality, mm -hmm. and we had love can the various forms of love can be our vehicle to go past that duality, right, and understand that we are all one. It, we're all one. At that, at that place. Right. And it doesn't make any difference, the age even, because I think, you know, looking at an infant, looking at a toddler, looking at a teenager, if you can understand that there is this essence of oneness that is there, and we can become literally one with anything. And this is, we people have these experiences with nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's the same thing. Exactly. It's just, it. Instead of looking at things as as Campbell would say, instead of looking at each other or of aspects of nature of the world as its, mm -hmm. you look at them as a thou. As a thou, you're you are me and I am you. Yep. Yeah, that is so so true. Um, this has really been fun. Yeah, today. I, mean, I agree. This is okay. I thoroughly enjoy being here. Thank you. <laughs> I I love having you here. That's why I wanted you to do the hundredth show with me. So yeah, thank you. Um, all right. So if somebody wanted to continue this kind of conversation with you one on one, mm -hmm. can they do that? They sure can. Again, I'm going to take you back to my um, email address because um, mm -hmm. I do. I'm, I teach uh, some live classes now with you know protocols involved right. I do I do a lot Are we going to be virtual forever? <laughs> no, I hope not. But I probably will actually I uh -huh. I, I teach classes virtually. I do one-on-one -on -one sessions mm -hmm. um, virtually. Mm -hmm. uh, so wherever in the world you are, you may be listening to this if you come to just email me, uh, introduce yourself that way and then I we can establish uh, something. I use Zoom. Um, it seems to be the thing everybody's using now. Yes. But um, also going going back to my um, my um, YouTube channel, get a sense of who, me talking other than you see a face, get it and see some of the things I talk about. Mm -hmm. But please email me and I'll direct you to whatever I can offer. Mm -hmm. um, either it's a, a class I'm teaching, a workshop, I do a number of workshops, I usually teach. Well, you mentioned you're going to be doing um, a virtual labyrinth, I think. I'm going to, I did one, I did one a while back. I'm going to be doing another virtual labyrinth for the winter solstice coming up. Okay, and, and if somebody wanted to participate in that? Okay, I'm going to say email me. Okay. And I can, I'll give you specific directions. That way you don't have to remember everything I would say here. There's, okay. There's layers of information right. there. Just email me um, and whatever you're interested in, whatever your questions are, and I'll try to guide you either to something I do or something I, someone else does that I think would help you. Okay, so that works really, really well. Um, for those that are listening today to this podcast, if you have a friend who has missed it, then what you can do is go to my website again, that's SynergyConnectionRadio.com. Doug's show will be the very first one on the list. If you go to show notes and click on that link, then it's going to take you to 12 pages of shows. But Doug is going to be the very top one, and then people can listen to it there as well. Um, I just thoroughly enjoy having you as a friend and um, enjoy our shows that we do together. So I want to make sure that everybody goes out there and makes this your very best life. And keep in mind that really and truly, our lives are all about love. And if we become, uh, I guess, acquainted would be maybe a good word to say, but acquainted with our own intuitive um, self and and get in touch with our heart I think everybody will discover that we're all in this literally together but it's not um, the hardship that many people have made it out to be it's it's a beautiful place to be and we can overcome an awful lot in life if we just allow uh, our guides our angels and ourselves to become in tune with love I guess that's the way I'll end the show. Awesome. All right. Make it your best life, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.